Good day to you, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Film Focus, episode 28, The Kong Skull Island Review. Good day to you, ladies and gentlemen of the North, South, East, and West, and welcome to another episode of Film Focus. I'm your host, Hypersonic55, and welcome to this podcast, which goes down on a bi-weekly basis. Now, obviously, recently we've happened to have a little bit more episodes coming out, and that's just because of the frequent film releases. It's funny, now that we've had, you know, Logan, now recently Kong Skull Island, and then next week you have Beauty and the Beast, and the week after that, Bloody Power Rangers. It is a continuous stream of films throughout March, so with the amount of films that's coming out, I just have to keep up. So yeah, more episodes for you guys. So it'll be pretty much weekly unless anything happens to happen to the podcast between now and then. More episodes for you guys, more reviews, but don't get it twisted. Film focus is not just about reviews, it's about covering all different aspects of film and we have a number of things that still have yet to get done some things that are in the uh, process of being done right now some stuff that's a little further off and some stuff that's almost ready to go so yeah got a good few things coming up I don't want to reveal them until they're fresh and ready to go but believe me plenty of stuff heading your way but you don't want to hear me talk about all that stuff you want to know what I think about Kong Skull Island and I have thoughts but before we get into that let me give you a little bit of history so at the current time of this recording, I have only seen one King Kong film, and that was the Peter Jackson version from 2005. Yes, I have only seen one film from this iconic franchise, and it happens to be the most recent iteration. Now I can hear a lot of people getting ready with their pitchforks and fire ready to berate me for not seeing the classics, but believe me, there's a reason for that. And here's the thing, on paper, King Kong sounds like he's right on my street. I like the concept of big monsters causing chaos for humans or fighting each other. And with King Kong, I'm aware of his, you know, popularity in pop culture, and I'm aware of all the different films and the different iterations since, like, the 1930s original black and white film to the various different remakes and sequels that's been done, you know, not only Western culture, but also in uh, Asian culture as well, you know, with the kaiju films and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I am well aware of how cool he is, and I am fascinated about, like, you know, the concept of Kong, his backstory, and the filmmaking that went into creating the various different iterations that's come over the decades. And yet, I've never been super compelled to watch these films just for two reasons. One, I've always liked Godzilla better, so there's that. And secondly, I just haven't had the time to get around to watching these films. But then there's also another reason. I just don't know if these films would hold up for me. Now, I don't want to be ages with films at all because I like a lot of older films, say like Casablanca or Strangers on the Train or North by Northwest or One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest or Jaws or, you know, a lot of different films. Like, my interests go far beyond that of the films that I grew up with. But here's the thing, like, with the original King Kong, I appreciate the filmmaking and what the people were able to do at the time, but I just don't know if I could bring myself to getting around to it. Plus, with all the other various types of films that I need to get around to watching in my watch list, King Kong has just never been on like the high point of the radar for me. I know I'll get around to it eventually, but for now, there's just 
other films that I want to watch and even though it was one of the most notable films in the stop motion crossed with like live action footage kind of genre I kind of prefer what came after that with films like Jason and the Argonauts or the 80s version of Clash of the Titans you know that kind of stuff but anyway that's just I just want to clarify my whole perspective on like the whole King Kong thing so yeah with Kong Skull Island I was hyped as hell to see this film with all the cast members that had been announced and just the setting it seemed like it was going to be really cool and the first trailer really grabbed me it had a really specific look to it I love the use of color I like the sort of cinematography the cast looked pretty cool and the tone seemed pretty dark and aggressive I was feeling it then the second trailer came out and I was like well I guess it still looks kind of action-packed and all that but there was a serious amount of humor in there that I didn't expect and I didn't like it um, I know some people found it really funny and I like John C. Riley, but just in this film it just felt like just the wrong move so I went from being super hyped at a 10 to being about a 6 uh, and then the final trailer came out and I was like oh it's, it's good but again it just wasn't as good as the first trailer for me so I was trepidatious at least I think that's the right choice of words uh, I was cautious uh, not cautious gosh I, I got, I've got no words ladies and gentlemen my, my mind has turned to mush that's what happens when you're out on a Saturday but anyway um, <laughs> I was cautious basically about this film before going into it and with the mixed reception that the film got with you know the early reviews I was definitely you know hesitant when I went to see the film but you know what I saw it yesterday with my dad and my sister and I have to say it's pretty decent not bad and I'm going to tell you why in this review so as per usual, I'm going to break this thing down into sections of story, characters, presentation, and then the conclusion. So let's start with that story. The plot can be summarized as the following. When a scientific expedition to an uncharted island awakens titanic forces of nature, a mission of discovery becomes an explosive war between man and monster. And that is pretty much a simplified version of the plot without going into the era spoilers. So with the story, I thought it was pretty good. It had a little bit more depth than I was expecting, especially with it being set in the 1970s with the ties to the Vietnam War and the interesting mythology that they were able to create about the island, you know, Skull Island, but also about King Kong's origins as well. If you've seen any number of the King Kong films before, you're pretty much aware of how the story goes in terms of the humans coming to the island. They find Kong. He causes a little bit of havoc. He happens to fall for a girl, he gets captured, brought to the US, breaks out, causes chaos, and then gets shot down by airplanes while climbing the top of a building. That is not the case here. They've definitely changed a good few things up, and I think it's for the better. Redoing the King Kong story that we are familiar with just wouldn't have worked for the type of story that these guys were trying to do this time around. This story happens to have a little bit more in terms of themes and realism and it works for the most part some of it is a little clunky but you know in the context of the film it works and it's not overly you know what's the word I'm looking for indulgent or hits you over the head with it it's there to be paid attention to if you want to but it's also stuff that's you know not overly required for you to be paying attention to uh, but the best things about this film is that it was straightforward and it was fun. I like films that don't try to be any more than they try to be and this film was clearly a monster movie first and it brought that very well. 
The pacing was done pretty well and it didn't feel like it dragged. The action was solid when it was going down. It was pretty entertaining. And yeah, just from start to end, I was actually having a good time. Far more so than, you know, some of these critics were suggesting. That being said, I do feel like the film has a few issues. Firstly, I feel like there were some tonal inconsistencies. There were times where the film tried to be fairly serious, but then it would be offset by the humour that was inserted. Sometimes the humour just came at a really awkward time or just the wrong time and sort of offset any form of danger, dread or seriousness seriousness <laughs> that the film was trying to you know get across and some of the humor just didn't work for me uh sometimes it was actually funny but sometimes it just felt a little forced plus it also didn't help that a lot of the funny lines in the film were in the trailers already so obviously if you've seen the film fresh and didn't see any of the marketing you're fine but you know for some of us who do go to the cinema frequently or see trailers online some of those funny lines just didn't work as well I also wish that the film had had a better sense of fear, dread and stakes for the characters. And that's not to say that the film didn't have any of those elements at all, it was just that I feel like they weren't to a high enough degree considering the situations that some of these human characters got into. And finally I also wanted just to mention their ties and references to other notable monster movies throughout the film and in the post credit scene as well. Yes there's a post credit scene, do not leave the cinema immediately. Um, I know that sometimes for some people sitting through post credit scenes are like, you know, kind of pointless because sometimes it just adds to nothing. But believe me, if you're a fan of classic monster movies, you know your kaiju, stick around and pay attention to some of these references because they will have ramifications in certain sequels and uh, a certain versus movie that will be coming out in 2020. When I saw that post credit scene, I was like, boy, if they're going to commit to this, it's going to be damn good. So yeah. Stick around for the post credits. Now let's talk about the characters and my goodness, this film is stacked to the maximum with a good number of people that you will know regardless of your age range. You're talking about a lot of notable faces including Tom Hiddleston, Samuel Jackson, John Goodman, Brie Larson, Corey Hawkins, Jason Mitchell, Shea Wiggum, Toby Kebbell, John Ortiz and John C. Riley, among many others. That's a pretty stacked cast. And here's the thing, everybody does well but it really is the actors that elevate these characters as the script doesn't do well to give these characters much depth or character arcs, though there are some characters that fare better than others. So let's start with Tom Hilderson as Captain James Conrad, and he was pretty good. I like the fact that he was a smart, tenacious and tactical badass, and yeah, I just liked him overall. The only issues that I had was the fact that I was surprised at how good he was in any situation, especially some of these combat situations. It's like what kind of training did you have and how are you so great at almost everything and the other thing is I was surprised about how much of a lead character he was now don't get me wrong I love Tom Hiddleston and he is a leading man but for this sort of ensemble cast I wish that his character had you know sort of sacrificed some screen time for some of these other people and wasn't made out to be like you know the sort of core lead person out of the entire group but you know, that's probably more a script thing than Hiddleston's problem. Next up is Brie Larson as Weaver, and I thought she was good, she was nice. Um, Weaver was clearly the most kind and caring of the characters. And uh, she was good, but again, I think it was Larson that made the character a little bit more engaging. Next up is John Goodman, and he was actually really good as Randa. He's part of the government organization who gets people onto the island to, you know, find out the existence of these monsters or not and I like how stern and humorous he was at the same time he has a very 
serious demeanor and he has a very specific objective and it was just fun to learn about him and you know how you know all of his motives tie into the main film John Goodman I've never seen a bad performance from the guy even in a film like Monuments Men which is actually like you know one of the worst films I'd actually seen that year just because it was so disappointing he was actually one of the shining stars in it along with Bill Murray I think um, but yeah John Goodman in this film solid really good stuff and next up we happen to have Samuel Jackson as Lieutenant Colonel Packard and here we have a character that was pretty interesting who was deeply affected by the Vietnam War and had some interesting and personal stuff that he had to deal with once on the island. Sam Jackson tackled his role in only the way that he could. He added a lot of character, charisma and personality and flair to the character and he just had a lot of really notable and scene-stealing moments. He, he was just great. And then you have John C. Riley as Marlowe. Of all the characters in this film, he was the person that had the most substantial depth and character arc. When I first saw Marlowe in the trailer, I thought he was going to be really annoying. And at first he was kind of annoying just because he was a little zany and crazy. But by the end of the film, I ended up liking really, really much. And he ended up being my favorite character. And then you have Corey Hawkins as the geologist Houston Brooks, who was good. He added a lot of charisma and presence to this character and then you also have Shea Wiggum who's one of my favorite like you know sort of character actors and Jason Mitchell as Earl Cole and Glenn Mills they were two of the soldiers that were part of the group that went to the island and they were two of my favorite characters but again I think it was just the actors that enhanced the characters more so than the characters actually being memorable people themselves and then you have Toby Kebbell who happened to be Madge Chapman and he was fine though I wish he had had more screen time and I wish his accent as wasn't as wobbly as it was, basically. And finally, we happen to have John Ortiz, Thomas Mann, Jing Tian, and Terry Notari. At least I think that's how you say his name. And they were all good, but they were literally sort of more sub-based characters. Now let's move on to the presentation. And overall, it was pretty solid. Visually, the film is pretty good. The cinematography was really solid, and there's some really beautiful shots of scenery and action. The use of color is very rich and vivid and striking during the day and night sequences. The action sequences when they are on point are ferocious, aggressive and brutal. And just the overall look of the film, it definitely had its very unique and striking, you know, look to the audience. So you would definitely remember it after the film was over. And I can't talk about the CGI without talking about Kong and the other creatures as well. Kong, I'm not going to lie, I've not been a fan of this new look. I don't mind the fact that he stands upright. It's just that his face just doesn't seem that scary or aggressive. I still prefer the Peter Jackson version just because when you see that guy, it's like, bloody hell. He, he's scary. And this Kong, it took me a while to get into, like, you know, seeing this version of him on screen. But by the end of the film, especially in the third act, when Kong is literally, like, you know, kicking ass and causing chaos for, you know, not only the humans, but, you know, some of these other monsters as well. This guy was a beast. And I was like, mate, that is a badass Kong right there. I I take back any of the bad stuff I had said about you. I don't, I'm not sure if I'd ever said anything bad, but, you know, any bad thoughts I had about him were diminished. This guy was cool. I liked him a lot. And uh, the motion capture they did on from Kong was pretty solid. The visuals for him was pretty good. And the visual design for some of these other creatures, which I won't spoil, but when you see them, it's some really imaginative material. And I'm like, yeah, good stuff. Whoever created these things, like, 
there's some really interesting character design, like, uh, for, you know, the monsters and stuff is good. However, I will admit that some of the action for me wasn't as creatively choreographed as I would have liked. And though the CGI for the most part was good, at times I felt it wasn't as consistent as it could have been. Sometimes it looked a little blurry or, you know, just not as realistic as it could have been. It just could have used a little bit more, you know, sharpening up. And then you happen to have the film score by Henry Jackman, who's one of my favorite, like, you know, is it composers currently, you know, doing stuff today that's not on the Mount Rushmore of godliness like, uh, you know, John Williams or Hans Zimmer or Danny Elfman or Michael Giacchino. But he's definitely getting there. He happens to make a lot of really interesting soundtracks on different levels, depending on what film he's attached to. And he definitely left his mark on the film, amplifying the action or the subtle moments pretty well. So now we happen to have the conclusion. Kong Skull Island? It was pretty good. Not great, but much better than I expected, considering some of the early reviews. And in terms of just having a really solid monster movie, this film delivers. When the action's happening, it's great. Some of the story and character material is not as solid, and I just had a few issues with some of the humour. It's still a film that I would recommend. Now... There is possibly some foreshadowing for a future episode, but some people may want to know how I feel this film stacks next to Godzilla. Now, I know there's a lot of people that hated Godzilla, which is a very strong word. I am not one of them. When I saw Godzilla back in 2014, I thought it was one of the best films of the year. From a pure spectacle standpoint, the film was great. Now, upon, like, you know, was it, you know, looking back on the film, I definitely, my my thoughts on the film have changed a little bit, but I feel like Godzilla did a lot of really interesting and powerful films that Kong wasn't able to recreate, but at the same time there's a lot of like advantages that Kong brought to the table that Godzilla didn't. So if I was to compare the films right now, if you wanted to see a film just for, you know, the action, spectacle and, you know, simplistic story material, then go with Kong. But if you wanted something a little bit more atmospheric, terrifying, and just has a crazy sense of scale and a badass satisfaction, Godzilla is still the way to go. I feel like I might have to do an episode talking about, like, you know, was it both of these films and do a comparison between the two of them. Possibly, I'm not going to, don't quote me on that, but it might be a thing. So look out for that. Maybe. Anyway, that's going to bring my thoughts about Kong Skull Island to a close. Good film, check it out. And now I open the floor to you guys. What did you think of Kong Skull Island? Did you like it? Did you hate it? Did you like it more than Godzilla or did you like Godzilla more? I'm pretty sure I know the answer to that question, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts anyway. So drop them in the comment section below or hit me up on Twitter where I am at hypersonic 55 or filmfocus55. Or holler at my email where I am, thehypersonic555 at gmail.com. Also, be sure to check out the podcast on iTunes where we are film focused. Be sure to go about and give us some love in the comments or like in a rating section. Any ratings that you'd like to give us, especially good ones, would help increase the visibility by 10,000. Um, and yeah, just I'm open to any feedback that you happen to have about the podcast. So, that'll do it for now from Film Focus. If there is not another episode in between now and next week, then the next review should be Beauty and the Beast, and I'm curious to see how that film ends up. So, 
Look forward to that one when it comes. And I guess that's Film Focus over for this week. Thank you for listening. Until the next time, this is Film Focus signing out. Laters. Thank mm-hmm. you.